My name is Pedro, and I'm the community life pastor here. I've officially been on staff since uh, May, but I've been here for, in January, it'll be two, two years, so I don't know. Thank you. I don't know how shy of that we are. But um, so I have the privilege of giving today's word, and um, every time I come up here, I try not to share this one reminder. I always have this one pastoral reminder in my heart that I can't really get away from. And so every time I'm up here, I hope to communicate this in some way. And that's plainly that God is God. God is who he is. Um, we are the ones who approach him in humility, right? So God, we serve a God who isn't a vending machine. He doesn't serve us. We don't go to him when we need something, um, but that he is in control, that he is God, and um, we love him and serve him, right? Amen? And um, so we approach him because he's wild. You know, there's parts of him that the Bible tells us that it's like he's our father, he's Abba, Father, our souls yearn for him. But then there's also parts of him that are just crazy and wild and unexplicable. And we try our best to understand what he's doing and what he's like, but he's so much bigger than we could ever imagine. Uh, so he is a good father, but he's also wild and he does as he pleases. And he never abuses us, he's never out of control, but we have to weigh both, that he's our father, and yet he's also God and is able to do what he sees fit. So uh, as we enter into today's word, let's just take a second. I always feel, I'm a pretty calm guy. I like to take breathers. I like to, let's prepare our hearts for one second here. I'll give you five seconds, that's enough. Let's just prepare our hearts to not just rush to God callously or too fast, um, but in a posture of submission. Thank you, Lord. So uh, today I'm continuing our series of Everyone In. Um, basically, if I had to summarize it, we're, under, we're investigating what it means to live lives that are sold out for Jesus, for, to let the Word and let Scripture and let the Holy Spirit reveal to us what's getting in the way of giving God everything. Uh, you know, we sing, God, we give you everything. We want to give Him everything, but a lot of times in our lives there's stuff getting in the way. And scripture and his presence are what we use to see what's in the way, and then we give him permission to work on those things, right? And so we've been investigating this. We want to live full lives for Jesus because God isn't a half-hearted God. You know, the Bible says that he's jealous, and the Bible says that he also doesn't share his glory. So uh, he, uh, my old pastor used to say that um, God will never feel our idols. He'll never say it's okay, and he'll never let us continue serving idols, and so he opposes them. And so this series is everyone in in this church, everyone in on living fully for Jesus. And so that's what we're doing, you know. Um, Justin, last week, I would encourage you to listen to last week's sermon if you haven't, because he started this new theme of everyone in, and that we're talking about financial giving, right? And we're talking about not letting money be an obstacle of living all the way in for Jesus. And I know that's not the message that people hear for the first time want to hear, but I'm continuing that today uh, because that's where we are as a church. That's what we want to be preaching. We're all in in everything. And so last week, Justin preached on the widows and who gave the mite. And in that story, we see that the mite is very little. It's almost worthless. It's pretty pathetic. And yet this lady gave because it was all she had. And even though people gave a lot more than her, Jesus honored her heart and celebrated her and not all the rich people. So 
we see that Justin said this last week, and I want to echo it again. Giving is not about math. It's about the heart, right? It's about being obedient to God, and it's about doing what he's called us to. And so I'm going to continue with everyone in, but this week I'm going to add a little bit to the everyone in. And I'm going to say it's everyone in with everything. And so that's what we're going for as a church, everyone in with everything. And um, I preach this because I believe that throughout the whole Bible, throughout all of God's evidence in his, his, in his working in our, in our world, we see that God uses anything that he wants to bring across his message. You know, even practical, we separate like spiritual and, and secular things, right, in our minds. We do that to be able to understand stuff, but that's not how God works. You know, there's spiritual meaning of why God put Israel where it is. One of them is that there's no great water source where Israel is located. And so above them was the Tigris and the Euphrates, and below them was the Nile. And God said, no, you can't draw from any of those. You have to trust in me. And so we see God moving through all these practical things, right? There's power in the practical things of life. Another thing is that... Um, the miracles in the desert. As they wandered for 40 years, um, they were given bread, they were given, they were given the manna, they were given water, and a lot of people think that those miracles are God creating out of nothing, but it's actually a little bit different. You know, if we go to the desert today, we can still find manna, and we can still find water if you know where to look. The real miracle in those miracles was that in God there's enough. There's enough for everyone. There's enough for all of Israel thousands of people in the desert, there's enough. So we see God always working through these practical things, right? The way we live our lives matters. The way we spend our money matters. The way we spend our time, it matters because it shows us, it reveals us what's really important in our hearts, right? So that's what we're continuing today. Um, I just skipped over all of those slides that I have. I'm not great at the PowerPoint, but I'll keep on learning. <laughs> So our, we have two passages for today. Uh, our main text is going to be in Matthew 13, 44. And what this does is, think of it as like a picture frame. This is the canvas and the frame. It's setting us up, and then our second passage fills in what God means. So God tells us something in this parable, and then he uses another story to give it life, to show us how we actually do it. And so let me read this for us. It's in Matthew 13, 44. This is a parable he tells. Uh, it says, The kingdom of heaven is like the treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. It's a short parable. I'll read it again for us. It says, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. And so, there's a lot in this passage. We see just on the, this is by far the shortest passage I've ever relied on for preaching. It's 33 words, and somehow I'm supposed to preach for 35 minutes. Uh, but if you investigate, if you know where to look, if you dig deep into the words, 33 words is enough to preach an entire year. And so, because um, God is using this story, Jesus told this story on purpose, and let's see what he's doing. And so at this point, let's just take a break. Let's see where Jesus is at the time of this sermon, uh, at this parable. So at this point, Jesus is already full on into his ministry. 
He is really well known. Everywhere he goes, he goes all the way up to the north in Dan and all the way down to the um, desert, uh, which the name is escaping me right now. But he goes, everywhere he goes, we see that Jesus preaches like no one has ever heard before. The people say that he has authority that they've never seen, and he has miracles in his hands, right? So everywhere he goes, people are being healed. The blind regain their sight. The deaf regain their hearing. And so we see that Jesus is a man of power. And so a lot of people are being attracted to him. He even brought back a couple people from the dead. Like, wow, okay. I'll go at least hear this guy out if he's able to do that. And so at this point, people are always flocking to Jesus wherever he goes. And then Jesus does something really peculiar that I think a lot of pastors today would not dare to do. He starts teaching in parables. And the reason why this is a little funny is because parables have two, two sides to them. One, it's a good way of communicating truth, right? Uh, through a story, you're able to like disarm some people, you're able to get truth, sneak some truth in there. But then on the other side, a parable isn't necessarily accessible to everyone. See, earlier in the chapter, Jesus says this when he says why he's teaching in parables. He says, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For to the one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Like, oh, that's a, that's a little weird, Jesus. I, <laughs> for the people who really just care about bringing other people to Jesus... Uh, as the only thing, this is a passage you would probably ignore because it's like, oh, Jesus, you're kind of being a jerk right now. Why are you teaching in a way that will kind of hide the truth a little bit? And because Jesus did this, he also believed that he only wanted people who were all in, everyone in, right? Everyone in with everything. And that's because he had the people. There were flocks around him, but he knew in their hearts that most of them only wanted him as a vending machine, only wanted him for what they could get from him, or just only wanted a good time. So we see here in this passage that Jesus cares about everyone being all in, that when we find the kingdom of heaven, the only appropriate response is to sell everything we have to keep it, right? And so this is our picture, right? This is our frame for today. What are we going to fill it with? How do we do this? Because we can all say we want to be all in, but I want to show us another person in the Bible, another woman in the Bible, who knew what Jesus, who knew who he was, who knew what she could count on him for and what she sacrificed to get for him. And so we go to our Luke, 30, our Luke 7 passage, and I can read this to us. It says, One of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him, and he went into the Pharisee's house, and took his place at the table. And behold, a woman of the city, who was a sinner, when she learned that he was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment, and standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears, and wiped them with her hair, and with the hair of her head, and kissed his feet, and anointed them with ointment. And so... I want to tell you guys that this is a passage of someone who is all in for Jesus. You know, at the surface level, we see this lady is obviously moved. She's obviously doing something great for Jesus. 
Uh, a lot of times we get this notion that everything that Jesus did made it into the Bible, but that's not so. Only the special accounts made it to the Bible. So whenever you read something in the New Testament, we have to ask ourselves, why is this special? Why does this stand out above, I'm sure, all of the other thousands of events that Jesus experienced? And I'm going I'm to show us today that this is a picture of someone who is all in with everything. And it's based off of the idea that women in Jesus' days didn't have a lot of opportunity to work, right? They had a few jobs that historically they were always available for them, um, being like a tertiary wife or being, this says that she was a lady of the city, I think it said, right? Uh, which is probably not a great thing. Um, but there was one other job that women could do and that they did widely, and that was a job of a mourner. And a mourner is exactly what it sounds like. It's a, someone who is hired to go somewhere and cry. And uh, most of the times, these mourners would be hired for funerals. And what they would do is that they would cry, they would put on this show in front of everyone, and they would also be catching their tears in a, in a little wineskin. And so at the end of everything, at the end of the show they put on, they would have these, this bottled tears, and they would give it to the family. And it would represent it would represent all the pain and all the sorrow that this person was leaving behind, right? It was an affirmation to the, to the family, like, yeah, he's worth all of this. He was worth missing, or she. Um, they're valuable, and we're really going to miss them. They really, it's not going to be the same without them. And these tears were a representation of that, right? And so for these mourners, especially the women, this was all that they had. That was their livelihood. You know, just like the widow who had her, only had her little mite, uh, this is what this lady had. She had nothing else, and she knew she had no one else to turn to. And so the reason why this story is special and a reason and an example of giving Jesus everything is that as she was weeping and she began to wet his feet with her tears and wipe them, she was literally giving Jesus everything that she had, financially, everything that she had, uh, personally, everything that she had. I mean, she heard that Jesus was at this house, and she went in uninvited, right? She just went in, and she knew nobody was going to be able to stop her from giving Jesus everything that she had. And so um, we have our frame, and we have our picture in it now, right? And so we at City Life here, we will continue, we'll always be preaching about our resources because we believe that, like I said, the practical and the spiritual, right, go hand in hand. And a lot of times I know that stuff comes in the way, but we have stories like this to remind us that in Jesus, if we're all in, we're all in with everything. And I want to share a testimony because I think that God providing for me and my family has been the easiest way that I've ever seen God work in my life. Now, I'm from Brazil, and we left because we had nothing there, and my dad couldn't find work. And somehow we made it here, and God always provided for my family. Um, but practically for me as an adult, I started to see this in my own life when I graduated college. After college, I went and I joined this volunteer missions organization called Mission Year. And the whole point of this organization is that they would relocate you to another part of the country, into a neighbor, an under-resourced neighborhood, 
and you would spend a year or two years there learning what it meant to be a neighbor, right? The Bible talks a lot about being a neighbor, and it's important to Jesus. And so in that year, we set aside your bank account, you set aside technology, you set aside talking to people that you love back home. Uh, that first year, I only really talked to Anne once a week, and it was a rough time, but we were all in. We were all in to see what God had for us that year. And so about, this was in 2009, so it was the year after recession started to kick in. And part of the organization is that you fundraise, right? You fundraise. Everyone was responsible for bringing at least $12,000 to the organization. And that's a lot of money. That's a lot of money, especially your first year out of college. And you're, we got paid nothing. We saw none of that 12000 12, It all went to the organization and the organizations that we helped. And so we believed in it. In that year, I learned that I would ask anyone for money because if it was for ministry, because I'm not going to be ashamed of the work that we're doing, right? And I think around three quarters of the way through the year, the organization was struggling as a whole. It was, a lot of people were down. And so the board got together, and they drew a line in the sand, and they said, anyone under this amount has two weeks to pass the line, or they might have to go home. And we panicked because we were all in, all of us, in every city across the country. We wanted that year to see what God had for us, and we were fighting for it every day. You know, a lot of these places were not the easiest place to live. The neighborhood that I lived in was the most dangerous zip code in the country both years, according to the FBI, but I loved it there. That was my field. I had never been happier in a, in a place before in my whole life. And so we fought. And we got together as a city, the organization got together as a nation, and we had emergency, an emergency fundraising meeting. And so together we talked and we decided that we wouldn't panic, but we would do two things, that we would pray and that we would ask. And um, so we did, we prayed and we asked. And in that time it was really humbling. We prayed and we asked. We asked people that we knew wouldn't give. We asked people who, who we knew thought what we were doing was stupid. But we also asked a lot of people who cared and loved us and were sacrificial. And in that season, I learned what it looked like to give for Jesus. And I like to say, before we left that meeting, we, I think we spent like two or three hours together. Before we left there, everyone in our city had passed the line already. Everyone was already safe from being sent home. And before those two weeks were up, everyone in the whole country who was doing this program uh, passed the line and were able to stay. And so I've seen God work over and over and over again through money, through our finances, through the practicality of giving to him sacrificially and seeing what he does. You know, it's the only thing in the Bible that God tells us to test him in, right? In Malachi 3. Um, and I think that's important. I think that's important because in God, like I said earlier, in God there's enough. There's always enough. And so we love to serve Jesus, and we love to go after his kingdom all the time. And we have here in this example, these two examples that all in with Jesus also includes all in with everything, right? And um, so I felt like our first parable here was really beautiful in that it was simple. I, one of the ways that we evaluate text is that we go through the Greek 
and we go through the context and we see if there's anything that stands out, right? To see if there are any words in the Greek that are like really pregnant theologically and see if there's anything special. And there's nothing in either story, there's nothing ultra significant about the words that were being used. There's nothing hidden in these words, but it was really simple. God, Jesus was telling us that if we're all in with everything, he's there with us, right? And he'll take care of us. And sometimes life looks a little harder than other times, but God is always enough. And we're always still, we're still here, right? For however old we all are in the room, we're still here. That is one of our strongest testimonies that we'll ever have is that we're here and we're okay, right? And so in conclusion, I just want to bring up two points. I wanted this message today to be as simple as the stories that we heard. So I, there are two points and then we're done. The first point is that I think that all, I hope all of us, I'm pretty sure most of us, want to live extraordinary lives for God, right? We want to see something amazing, amazing happen. Uh, I'm not content with just hearing stories from missionaries from 50 years ago who talk about seeing people healed, who see demons flee, who see limbs grow back in people to see all of these amazing things. I want to see that today. I want to see that in Jersey City and wherever all of us go. And so, church, I want us all to think about what it means to be all in with everything for God, for Jesus' gospel here in Jersey City. Um, because I think that if we do as a body and as a movement, that we can really see stuff happen. You know, we can really get rid of some of the excuses that we use intentionally or unintentionally to limit what God can do in our life. And so that's the first point. Ryan, if you, can, if you want to come up. The last point is something that I didn't even see myself. Um, it was something that my wife Anne showed me. And um, it's the fact that in our, in our original parable, when we find the kingdom of God, when we get there and we give everything that we have for it, we don't only have the kingdom, right? That's something that we're promised. But what we also have in return is the land. And that's significant because in that story, God's telling us that when we find him and we're all in for him, then he gives us the space to live with his kingdom, right? In this land, we can build on it. In this land, we can house people. You can do whatever you want. But this land is significant because it's ours and it's our place with God. And so one, my experience in Chicago was that if you, when you give God everything, you find yourself, you find your life, you have this area to see his, his magic, it's not magic, to see his love work, to see his power work through, right? And so that is the significance of what, why we want all in, everyone in with everything. And it's because we don't want to settle for anything less in life. We want everything that God has for us as a church and as individuals. And one important thing to note at, before I finish is that neither of these stories, neither the widow's might, neither the, the parable about the pearl are about buying the kingdom of God or about buying favor from Jesus. But God is the one who can see the heart. He's the one who knows where you're giving from. Right? 
the Pharisee who invited Jesus to his house treated him poorly, and Jesus saw that. He, he was okay with it. He went and still had dinner with him. But then he honored this woman who gave him everything that she had. And so that's what we want as a city, as a community, as followers of Christ, is that we all want to be all in. Find our fields, find the areas where God has for us to work in, and then see what he does through the hardship and through successes. And so let's worship a little bit more. We'll worship about giving God everything. And in the meantime, I pray that the Spirit continues to be working, showing each one of us where we need to be all in a little bit more. And um, let's just join what God is doing here in Jersey City and see the powerful things that he can do. Because I'm pretty sure all of us want it. We might not know how to get there, but stories like these are a way to help us there. So let's just worship and we'll see what God has for us. <laughs> 